Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome into another edition of the Hang Time Podcast. We are restarting the 2020 and 21 season here on the Hang Time Podcast. Coming to you three times a week this season. On Mondays, we'll talk power rankings. Wednesdays, we'll have a special guest. And Fridays, we'll talk Kia MVP ladder. As always, you're going to get the, the freshest and best information here on the Hang Time Podcast. Again, three times a week. So make sure you're locked in, loaded, and ready. Um, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, today is a is a special treat, though. We're going to do a little bit of uh, forecasting, a little bit of season previewing. And to do that with us, we got our man Channing Fry joining us here from the West Coast. Always glad to talk to you, sir. Always good to see you. Hope everything's good. I hope everybody's safe, sound, and ready for the craziest NBA season I can remember. I thought we finished it. And here we go, cranked up again like a month later. True. I mean, I was watching uh, Knicks in Detroit last night. Uh, part of I watched the first half of the Nets game. Uh, so I've been watching more games. It's just weird seeing players. But, you know, in all those transactions, it's like, wait, this guy plays on this team now? I forgot he's on there. But you don't have a deep bench. You're going to be – it's going to be a long year for you. It's so strange, too. Um, you obviously have been on the inside of this thing – for years as a player in the league. Could you imagine a, a stranger circumstance than what everybody's dealing with now in terms of how quickly we came back from the bubble for the teams that were in the bubble from a nine month, basically layoff for the teams that weren't like, how do you wrap your head around getting into this season as a player? Well, I think it's due to the schedule. So I think they're like, what is best for the longevity of the NBA? You know, the thing, and, and I'm talking to guys around the league. It's like, if, a trainer has a false positive, the player has to stay at home too. So for me, that's the thing that's going to be needed to be adjusted in your mindset. It's like you could be healthy, but the person next to you may get a positive test and then you can't play. So it's just about like, how do you fix your daily routine? And are you trusting the people that are taking care of you? And is everybody dedicated to doing this? Doing it in a bubble is tedious and monotonous. But doing it in real life requires discipline and to always, you know, we always say in Cleveland, make the main thing the main thing, right? And, you know, guys, there's no bars, there's no clubs, there's no nightlife like that. Can the young guys, can certain guys do that over the course of a 72-game season? That is going to be their biggest adjustment. I think that's why 
these veteran teams, you know, are going to, I think, be a little bit more successful than some of the younger ones this year, regardless of talent. It's just pure discipline um, because they do have to maybe take care of families. And they know that they have a small window where, let's say, the Lakers can't play a couple of their guys. This is your opportunity to maybe go from eight to six. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be wild. We, and we, we should probably jump in. You mentioned the Lakers, Channing. We're talking Western Conference preview here. And I didn't think it was possible for a championship team. And, and you watch them over the years. You see a championship. They come back usually weakened. Somebody has to get their money somewhere else or, you know, salary obligations, you know, make it difficult to retain um, a free agent or to, or to keep an asset. They went out and got better. Um, they, to me, I'm trying to think, when's the last time a championship team when I got better? Other than KD joining the, the, the 73 win Warriors who didn't win a championship? I can't remember a team, a championship caliber team, doing what the Lakers have done. No, man. And, and what's crazy about that is it's because it's AD. Everyone thinks it's Braun, but, you know, Braun only has four years left. So somebody like Dennis Schroeder, T-Rez, um, you know, Wesley Matthews, those guys are like, AD is really what's next for the next 10 years. So, like, yes, you're going to win now, but that culture of Lakers winning is going to carry over. And so to have an opportunity to play with AD and to play with Braun at the same time, you get to establish yourself in Laker Nation. And so it's not like this one-time thing. So Schroeder's like, hold on, you need a, a point guard? Oh, and I don't have to sit the bench? Oh, what's up? And you're winning the chip? Come on, let's do it. Oh, and Therese is like, okay, uh, here I can play the four, I can play the five, and I can play the five with AD, or I can play the four with AD, or I can play the five or with Braun. Yeah. And even then, you could play all these different lineups, and you could play five four with Markeith. And he's going to get minutes because Braun is getting up there in minutes, obviously, during the course of his career. Braun may say, hey, I'm just not going to play for three days or three games. And here, you get my 40 minutes a night. So guys go, damn, all right. And it's always, you're going to get top-notch treatment when you wet Braun. You're never going to be more famous <laughs> than you are playing with that man. Never. Never. Yes. And that is the honest truth. That is what's ridiculous. You'll never be more famous until you play with LeBron. So, Chad, you live in Portland, former Trailblazer. I know how much, you know, they love their basketball out there. And with in the absence of a team that's the clear-cut fourth team in the Western Conference, in my eyes, the Trailblazers have an opportunity to steal that spot, to, to dive right into go from eight to four based on the additions that they added. What's, what's the vibe around that team in that city in terms of what they think they're capable of? I think anytime you have the what I call the 1A, 1B best guard in the league, you got to be trying to go for it. And I think what they brought in was toughness on the defensive end. They're going to be able to get extra possessions. And when you take your talent from your bench, like Anthony Simons um, and all those other young, Gary Trent Jr. and those guys, and you bolster that with vets who know their role, then you get to really see what these players are about. I think added Inez Cantor, Derek Jones Jr. Obviously bringing Rodney Hood, getting Rodney Hood back. Rodney yeah. Hood back. So all these guys take the pressure off of C.J. and Dame to have to get 50. If you C.J. and Dame can get 25 to 35 a night and feel comfortable in that and then only play maybe 
35 less minutes, you know, up to 35 minutes a night. Yeah, I think people forget last year, Dame and CJ were top 10 both in minutes played per game. They were playing 42, 44 minutes a night. You can't do that and have legs in a playoff. So for me, I have Lakers first, and this is regular season. This is not power rankings. This is regular season. Lakers first and Utah. Utah during the regular season has always been top four, except for the last, they've had some injuries. Mike Conley has another year. You bring Bogdan back. D- uh, Donovan Mitchell just got paid, so he's free of mind. Right. This, they brought the same exact team that's hungry from losing 3-1 to Denver. So for me, I got them two. Clippers three. Here's my question about the Clippers is, I think Paul George is a is a superstar talent. I just don't know when's the last time I seen him really take over, right? He's always been a Robin, except yeah. Indiana. I want to see him be, you know, and I make this analogy, Batman, Superman. You don't, you know, like you don't need to be a Robin. You can be your own superhero, right? And I think that's what like LeBron is bat or Superman and AD is Batman. They're equally just as good superstars, but I, I'm curious about what he does. And I'm curious about their leadership. Like, Who's their vocal leader on the court? It's not Kawhi. And, I mean, Paul George made a lot of excuses about why they lost last year. But at the end of the day, you're the one on the court. So if Coach ain't making adjustments, you got to, you know, you what might you gotta yeah. up. You got to speak up, right? And I think, for me, I just that's the only reason I don't have them too. Mm-hmm. But it's a small problem. They're so talented. They're so good. Um, and then I have Portland four. And if Portland is four, it's because, you know, you don't need to play – Dame and CJ 40 minutes a night anymore. They're more physical. They're better defensively. I think what they got is length. Um, they're not as fast, but I think if each guy can give you eight to 14 points a night, now you're going to be almost unstoppable to guard it. All their guys are um, the guys they brought in there have length and can score a little bit. And are, like, you don't need to just force feed Dame and CJ. Yeah. And I, and I love Covington just as a, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Huge. When you had Mo Harkless and Al Farouk Amino, you had, like, the perfect complementary wing forwards. Yeah. Now you got both of them, to me, combined in Covington. Like, he does what both of those guys did. I remember they were playing the Golden State Warriors, and Al Farouk Amino and, and Mo Harkless combined for four points on, on four shots. And you're like, hold on. Like, but they're double-teaming him. You got to make some of these. He's not afraid to shoot it, right? He's been in Houston system long enough. So that's the thing. He's not afraid to shoot it, but he can also put it on the ground. And he's going to get extra possessions through deflections, through steals, switches, miscommunications. So that is the thing that, you know, Portland needed. He rebounds well for his size. So Portland needed something defensively. They were doo-doo last year. They were killing <laughs> it. But also it's just because they were learning. And that bench, the young guys, I think have had a great experience, not only in the bubble, but getting minutes during the regular season. Well, now they go, we've seen this. We know this on film. We've worked on it. Here we go. Simons and, and Trent Jr. are going to be critical because if those guys take that next step, it, they're a whole different team to deal with. Simons' talent is off the charts, but you right. know what you're going to get. I think Gary Trent Jr. is a plug and plug and play, mm-hmm. right? Going to hit threes, going to make the right decisions, going to play his butt off on defense. Simons is like this freak athlete. He got size. He got length. He can get anywhere he wants on the court. But does his basketball knowledge keep up with his talent and athleticism? And that's what we need to see is make a play for somebody else, and then you can score whenever you want. That's not what they need. They need you to make plays for other people, 
and then score within the, the offense. Credit Neil O'Shea in that Trailblazers front office, man. They've done really good work with with very little fanfare the past few years. Um, if you look at the entire West and ask yourself, what's who's the team that ends up making a splash that we don't see coming, or the the, the sleeper team, if you will, in the Western Conference mix? It's going to be weird to say this, but I think Golden State. <laughs> I, I think you know, watching them. I think culture is going to play a lot. And I I did another thing with Slam where I thought, you know, I have Dallas, Golden State, Pelicans, and I'm even going to – I have to throw in Houston just because they have bats. John Wall looks like (laughs) – that boy looked like he'd been on the track, right, (laughs) running crazy. And that's hard to guard during a regular season. I have those guys fighting for seven through nine, seven, eight, nine, tens. And then at the end of the day, you can't count out San Antonio. I hate saying that too. (laughs) like every year you're like how are they winning these games they just don't beat themselves I think Denver lost a lot defensively to me I I think that's a lot to put on Michael Porter Jr. and Bobo right obviously give them that opportunity Jamal Murray should take that step up they're gonna get Will Barton back but they were bad defensively and very some people would say front runners when things weren't going offensively good so now you take away Jeremy Grant, who I thought plugged up a lot of holes for them. Offensively, he wasn't giving you a lot, but he was kind of plugging up those holes where now instead of a run being six to ten, it was two to four. And then you could give it to Jokic, you give it to Murray, you can give it to Moore, you can give it to all those guys. Yeah. I think they're they're gonna get better. I think they're gonna take some lumps early on trying to catch those young guys up to speed with real day-to-day NBA basketball. Bubble basketball is different than a 72 game where you got to get on an airplane every single night. Yeah, no doubt. We talked about the Lakers. I think they would probably rank as everybody's favorite you know, to come yeah. out the West. So no, no sense in belaboring that point. Um, clearly, LeBron, year 18 is still at the top of his game. And I, I would argue at the top of the heap in the league in terms of just the best and most impactful winning player. I, I, you know, being in the bubble, you know, I've been around for LeBron's entire career, so you appreciate, obviously, the growth and what he's done. But to think that this dude is playing at this level, 18 years, is stupid. I mean, I literally, I can't think of a more appropriate word. It's just stupid. How, how is this possible? It's all here, right? So he goes, if I take care of my body today, I'll feel like this tomorrow. And imagine doing that since he was 18. And imagine he has one purpose, and and – when you play with him, you start to realize that, like, yes, a game matters, but it's a, for him, it's about something so much larger that most people can't fathom until you're around him. And that's to be the greatest of all time, right? And that is to be the most winningest, the greatest of all time, to establish, like, I used every ounce of talent and, and gave everything that my body had to give for as long as it could. And that's a testament to him doing this for 18 years. And so you hear these stories about how he could tell people what their play was or where their coach is going to call or, you know, substitution patterns. It's because he's, nothing is more important than the game and nothing is more important is getting, if he got a dollar twenty-five of gas, he's going to get it 50 miles. <laughs> he's going to hit that thing in neutral down the hills, <laughs> right? And no one else that I've ever met has been more dedicated to the day-to-day discipline than that guy, which is nuts. And I've been on one side of the debate, like, you know, hey, I don't know about him being great. So, well, time to right. The more I start thinking about it, the longer he plays at this high level, I'm like, 
We're going to talk about this again in 10 years, and it, it might have a different perspective for a lot of people. You talked about Houston, and and I got to ask just, what do you make of the trade? I mean, Wall coming off of basically two years of inactivity because of injuries in place of Westbrook, and then we still don't know if James Harden is going to show back up with the right attitude if he wants to be there long term or what's going to happen. My honest opinion is, if you think James Harden is there, you don't bring John Wall to me. I, I wouldn't have done that. I would have tried to figure out how to put better players around him within Russell Westbrook and do like that. I, a lot of times I feel like, and I'm not, I'm, you know, I've never been a GM, so it's just a player's opinion. When a player asks for a trade, a guy goes, well, I'm going to trade you when I want to trade you. And it, it like becomes like this pissing contest. Instead of, I've seen really good GMs go, you want to be traded? Okay, guess what? I'm going to start bolstering our team. So now if you don't play, that's on you because I provided you. You saying you want to trade means some of these guys, you don't think you have a chance to win a championship. Because I remember when Kobe asked for a trade, what'd they do? Who'd they go get? And when got Pau Gasol, guess Pau Gasol what? showed up, yeah. Right, guess what? <laughs> he didn't say nothing, right? He said, okay, listen, I got to stay here. I think James Harden would stay if they had got players that were going to be conducive for winning a championship. I think John Wall is great. I think DeMarcus Cousins is great. But neither of them, like you said, have played in two years. And I also think that the addition of John Wall means James Harden can't play like James Harden is used to playing. Which means, you know what? We're going to now start a new style of basketball. And when everything goes wrong, it's on you because you have the most money. So instead, he goes, okay, well, since I'm going to be second fiddle, let me go somewhere where we actually have a chance to win, and then I'll be second fiddle, or I could be first fiddle, but we're going to figure it out. And I think James Harden in the East is going to be disgusting. I think the Wizards, right now, I thought that was a great trade for them because the culture, they wanted something better for the culture. Something that, because Bradley Beal has shown he's one of my favorite players. Yeah, He's next level regardless if he was all-star or not. So to add Russell Westbrook in there, who's had a little piece of humble pie and is now like, this is his team, but I'm going to continue to play my way. I think it's good for both of them. They both don't need the ball all game. They're both very solid defenders when they want to, and they want to play fast, which it makes Russell Westbrook uh, a thousand times better than in that Houston offense where he has to stand there and wait for the ball. If you watch any of the Wizards practices or any of that, they talk about pace and pace and pace. And the only time I've been on a team that talked about that was when I was with the Suns. We talked about pace and running teams down. They're not necessarily going to be the best defensively, and their front court is young and kind of, I don't know yet, but they're going to score They're going to score some points. They're going to be a problem, as always. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. We're talking Western Conference preview here on the Hang Time Podcast with Channing Fry. Um we, we talked a little bit of broad strokes. Um, after the break, we'll come back and go through a lightning round, Chan. I want to know uh, who you think are the early season front runners for all the major awards. We'll get into that lightning round with Channing Fry here on the Hang Time Podcast. Back here on the Hang Time Podcast, talking Western Conference preview with Channing Fry. Channing, I was talking about the season awards only in respect to the Western Conference. So it gives us a little bit more of a narrow construct for, for talking about these awards. Um, but if we start with MVP, who's who's your guy in the Western Conference you think that is the linchpin 
to his or her, you know, his team um, have an opportunity to, to come out of the West? Not even close, Luka Doncic. Not even close. LeBron is not going to play as much as Luka, and he's not going to be required to do as much for his team to win. Luka Doncic has MVP-level talent. We've seen it. Porzingis is not playing at the beginning of the year. And off the top of my head, I can't remember the Dallas Mavericks getting anybody. I think they lost Seth Curry. So to me, I, I don't know. There's no one, for the most part, they might get Dwight Powell back from ACL surgery. But if you look, most people can't name their starting lineup. For them to even get close, he's going to need to have MVP season. Who's our defensive player of the year in the Western Conference? I'm going to mess around and go Robert Covington. Mm. And here's why. It's because he's going to have to guard everybody. <laughs> and I think this team is going to get a little more notoriety for how they get better on defense, right? Houston is like, they don't care about defense. That's the, you know, that's the mindset. And that's what the media and my, and me, they don't play defense that's, except for PJ and Robert. Yeah. But when you put him on a team like the Blazers, who I think were 27th last year, if they go to 15th, 12th, he's going to get all the love regardless of what everyone else is going to do. So they're going to say, look at this impact he's making on the Blazers. And if the Blazers are the top three or four, then they're really going to say, okay, there's got to give it to this guy. And I also yeah. think AD's not going to be as aggressive this year because uh, Dennis Schroeder is going to keep everyone in front of him. So he's not, he's not going to have all those blocks all the time. Dennis Schroeder, is a, I think, should be a defensive player of the year just in talks. I think he does on the Western Conference what Marcus Smart does on the Eastern Conference, right? Picks you up full court. He's annoying. But I think Robert Covington, Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah, no, that's a good point about Schroeder for sure. This, to me, is the most intriguing category in the West, most improved player in the Western Conference this year. It's a huge group of players that probably should be in that mix. And this is going to be wild? I might say Carl Anthony Towns. Mm-hmm. Right, I might say him. Right, he's emotionally motivated. He's dealing with some heavy stuff. Obviously, they put right dealing with some heavy stuff. And I think if you're going to be out there, right, and I've had loved ones pass out. If in him and his situation, he's going to be locked in, right, and he's going to be playing with an emotional fortitude that I don't, I haven't seen since his first couple years before he became Carl Anthony Towns. Right, they've also sneakily made some improvements to that team. Where now Carl, you know, Cat doesn't have to do as much as he was required to do. He's being asked to win on a nightly basis. He's had the same coach for a couple of years. So for me, people are going to see, I hope, an aggressive because he's skilled. But sometimes he falls in love with just getting the points and being like, well, it's not my fault. Or, you know, this is uncomfortable. Like, we're really wasn't going to win. But now he's playing with his boy. Jansel Russell who gets buckets. They have Culver, who's good. They got some guys in the draft. You know, like I said, they made some sneaky moves in the West where I think he might get – he's going to be in the conversation, but I would like him to, to, to win it. That would be amazing. Again, as I mentioned, playing with a heavy heart, Carl Anthony Towns lost his mother to COVID-19 in the offseason. So he's coming back, playing his first season ever without his mom's – in attendance without that presence, it's going to be interesting to see. He was very emotional um, in his preseason debut just during the introductions. So you know he's playing the season with kind of a, 
not even a chip on the shoulder, but just like with a heavy heart, dedicating it, I'm sure, obvious to, to the memory um, of his mother. Um, six man of the year is interesting in the West in that the best six man last year traded locker rooms in L.A. <laughs> and so now he opened it up back up for the old six man of the year on his old team in Lou Williams. Trez and Lou could end up being the guys fighting out for that. But obviously there are other players around the league, you know, in the West, at least, who could get into that mix. I don't know if Kelly Oubre is going to start, probably. I'd have to look at their thing. But mm-hmm. if he comes off the bench, he would be a guy on the Warriors that if they do make the playoffs, they do well, if they're top six, I could see him being in it. Obviously, now I'm picking guys that aren't obviously Therese and, right, right. and Lou Will. I'm picking somebody that I think could make a huge impact. If McK- Somebody from the Suns, I think if Mikhail Bridges doesn't start, Love him. Baller. You know, last year I trolled him a little bit on, on Twitter and said, uh, <laughs> I'd rather take uh, Trevor Ariza. <laughs> <laughs> well, he didn't know that I played with Trevor. So, like, I'm always going to pick my old teammates over anybody. It doesn't matter. Right? I'd be like, who's the best guard you ever played with? Uh, Matthew Delvado. <laughs> right? So, that's just me. But I think he's huge for them. Yeah. I, I call him my uh, my next age Andre Iguodala he reminds me of Iguodala when he was a young player just in all the stuff he can do all the, the versatility totally, totally he is good at a lot of things he is a high level good he's not great he's a high level good where it's like here run the offense for three minutes I right. got it hey get a stop get you a know. stop yeah. you know back cut right his feel for the game and now with Chris Paul he's gonna get spoon fed Exactly. Yeah, I, I do love and We didn't talk about that specifically, but loved Chris Paul with Monty Williams and then with Devin Booker coming into his own. They could be dangerous this year. They could definitely be dangerous. Who's your rookie of the year in the Western Conference mix? And we obviously got the number one pick overall in the draft and Anthony Edwards in Minnesota. But who of that rookie crop in the Western Conference do you think has an opportunity to step out and be rookie of the year in the West? I'm going to go with the big man, James Wiseman. He going to get, and I say spoon, you better get the biggest wooden spoon out. You're playing with Steph Curry. So you just got to roll to the hoop, get open rebounds. You have a championship culture. Steve Kerr's a great coach. You're playing with other vets out there. You're playing with a guy who can obviously always every year is going to be an MVP conversation. But, like, he's going to have lumps early on. Right. Right? Because he's gonna have, the game is going to come fast. Because when they double-team Steph, you got to catch, look, make a decision. But if he can get that down with his size and his skill set, it's going to be a problem. It's going to be a problem. Coach of the year in the Western Conference, um, I would argue that you look at the landscape, there are going to be some guys who get residual love. Mike Malone didn't get love last year. Then they get to the bubble, get to the – you know. So guys like that will probably be top of mind. But who do you think ends up being coach of the year in the Western Conference this year? I think if Mike Malone could get the Nuggets – to five and above, mm-hmm. right? By getting away, you know, Plumlee um, and those other guys who have been there for a while, he'll definitely be in there. But my sleeper would be Stan Van Gundy. I don't know. I told people, look, the biggest what if is Zion's health. Yeah. Can't believe we talked all this time and just mentioned Zion. Like, well, <laughs> the thing was, he said, okay, defensively, we need to be more physical, right? We need to surround um, – are young guys with vets who not only are disciplined on a, on a nightly basis, but are disciplined in practice. So J.J. Reddick's seen it. Steven Adams is a workhorse. 
uh, Josh Hart as a workhorse. And so we saw that Brandon Ingram blew up. He blossomed. So that he's over here. Like, you're all-star big money guy. You're going to do what you do. Zion, this style of coaching didn't work for you? Here we go. The complete opposite. You work every day. You're going to be prepared. You're going to have two-hour shoot-arounds. You're going to watch crazy amounts of film. You're going to be drilling the crap out of everything. Because I think by doing that, you're preparing his body to play and get used to a season. And I think if you're David Griffin, you got to see, can he deal with this? Because you, you were like putting him on a soft pillow last year. <laughs> let's do this. Let's do that. And it didn't work. He came in. He was a little big. He wasn't moving. He didn't really have that burst. Now, you practicing, big fella. You can't be out of shape practicing. Oh, they yeah. practicing. <laughs> so now that level of practice is going to help his game because he's, I think he's 19 years old. He's 20. But the boy got to learn how to play basketball. As amazing as he is, he does not yet have an NBA level skill. That he's is not of energy and him. talent. Yeah. That just shows how ridiculously unique he is. But if you practice those things, if you drill those things, obviously he can get it. Obviously he can score, but you can't tell me he doesn't have a, a defining move. He doesn't. He just like Zion smash, you know, and he does that. So. <laughs> but it works. So it's like I'm excited to see what happens when he learns a, a skill at a high level. I'm, I'm hype about the Pelicans this year. Yeah. Channing Fry, I appreciate you as always, sir. Great insights uh, on the Western Conference as always. And listen, uh, I'm watching the road tripping podcast. I'm, I'm jealous just as a guy who asks questions for a living. Y'all get stuff out of LeBron and nobody else. I mean, it's, it's cheating, really. I, think, I mean, I think you guys need to acknowledge it's cheating. No, I mean, listen, it's a relationship. Yeah, we, we just go in there and talk and have a drink. And uh, <laughs> it's good. I, I think I'm glad. I, I hope we get... You know, more guys like that to just come on and feel comfortable. But, again, we've been doing that with them for five, six years now. So, you know, nothing is scripted, and I think we like that, that we just go on and we say, okay, you, we know about Space Jam, what's up? People want to know about the bubble, what's up? Other than that, we just, like, talk about what you want to talk about. You know, we ask him hard questions that sometimes it takes a little, little adult juice to get going to answer that question. <laughs> no doubt. Listen, I appreciate it. Appreciate the work as always, man. Looking forward to seeing you on NBA TV uh, this season as well. And um, I know the, the pandemic is still raging around the country, so y'all stay safe. See you guys. Channing Friday joining us here on the Hangtime Podcast talking Western Conference preview. We'll be back this week. We're not, we're not slowing down. Three times a week. We'll be back later this week with an Eastern Conference preview as well. We appreciate you joining us, and we'll see you next time right here on the Hangtime Podcast. <laughs>